Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Jeanette talking about Step 7. G'day everyone, my name's Jeanette and I am an alcoholic. It's really great to be here. I'm, I'm not a local. I'm from the southern highlands of New South Wales. I'm a real alcoholic. And um, all a real alcoholic is, is someone that can't stop from starting to drink. And when they drink, they get drunk. And I had to learn that. And um, it's just so fantastic to be here. I've had the most amazing weekend and um, come down to check this out to try and take something like this back home. And, and that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about. How can we be effective in carrying a message to the still sick and suffering alcoholic out there? And, um, you know, I'm, I just feel so blessed that God's given me this disease of alcoholism. And, um, and that sounds a bit weird, but last, the last couple of days I've been able to sit and listen to a girl's fifth step. And, um, they're the blessings we've been given, you know, to, be able to be of use to God and to another person. So when I came into AA, I was deeply religious. I'd been born again seven times in seven different churches. And at the last stage of my alcoholism, I was a born-again Hare Krishna with 200 plaits in my hair and lots of coloured beads. And they found me in the fountain in Hyde Park in Sydney drunk in an evening gown and I'd lost the party that I was with. My husband had taken out some clients from work to, um, you know, to, to impress them and the Hare Krishnas went by and I knew I, I shouldn't have drank but I mean they had this gorgeous bottle of wine on the table and I thought I'll just have one. I'll just have one. I never understood that, you know, when I had a, a glass of grog that Something happened in my body deep down within, which I've since learned is my physical craving. So I came in here, um, I didn't just wake up one day thinking, oh, I've got a little problem with grog, I might toddle off to AA. I came in here sitting in meetings for two months. I had my own psychiatrist, makes us feel important when we've got all this sort of stuff. And, you know, my own psychiatrist going there to find out how to get my husband sober. And she suggested I go to meetings, shut my mouth and listen, which I did. And after falling off chairs for nearly two months, and thank God you people never told me to get out and not to come back. Thank God you didn't do that. Because one night I heard a woman sharing what a real alcoholic is, how she got up every morning promising she would never do that again. And that's what I did. And I thought, that's all I do. I just can't stop drinking. And it was just that simple for me. It wasn't all the war stories I was hearing. I couldn't relate to them. But I could relate to, I can't stop from starting to drink. I thought I had a car that drove me to the bottle shop and made me pick up that beautiful cask of berries Moselle every day. And I had money to buy anything, but that's the effect I got, you know, from the Berries Moselle. And I thought Berries is a bit dearer than Lindemann's and the other brands, so I'm upmarket. <laughs> <coughs> so I came in here desperate. I came in here dying and very religious. And when I was four years sober, so what I did when I first came in here, I was willing to do anything. If you told me to stick my head down the dunny, I would have done it. 
because I couldn't stay stopped from drinking. I didn't know how to live one day without drinking. I had I had reared 10 kids that all left home. I had a beautiful florist shop and I was married to a professional man and I couldn't stay stopped from drinking. I thought I was bad. So what happened for me was, you know, I joined a group, I bought a big book, I got a sponsor and I took direction. I did Joe and Charlie sheets, I did whatever was suggested, I did it. I can... You know, I can recite the big book, I can recite the 12 by 12, and I can recite the 52 books in the Bible. And it was all this knowledge. And then I met a group of people when I was four years sober, and I was sponsoring a lot of women, a lot of women in Sydney, and I was dying inside. I felt that loneliness and that emptiness. You know, our best friend, the grog, when we have that drink, you feel the spirit, the power. And I was dying. I didn't have it. I wasn't connected to any power. So I was introduced to a prayer, God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, about me, God, and my disease, so I can have an open heart and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. I was taken to hell into step one. I had the most amazing experience at four years sober that lack of power was my dilemma and I needed to know how to access some sort of power so that I could feel that spirit within me. You know, I didn't come here just to sit in meetings and let it wash over me. I love having fun. I love being a bit naughty, outrageous and just enjoying life. And that's what it says in our big book. We absolutely insist on enjoying life and having fun. If the newcomers came here and heard our war stories, why would they want to keep coming back here and listening to that crap all the time? So, you know, we need, we need to have an experience where we can carry a message of depth and weight. So, you know, I was taken into that step one experience at four years sober, which then took me into a place of coming to believe. And I had no choice. And I, I had no clue what God was. But my powerless took me to some sort of hope that there was something deep down within me. The secret place. The secret place that I could go within. And I became so bloody willing to get on my knees and offer myself to God in step three. And, um, and I didn't care what I had to do. You know, and that desperation from offering myself to God in that third step. And I learned there was no amen, you know, in that prayer because I heard that finished in step seven. That was the end of all I had to do because I would then have power. And I wrote a fearless and thorough inventory. I learned to laugh at what alcohol had created in me. You know, I always thought I was this bad person, but I learned to laugh and think, wow, look what it's made me do. And that's the power of alcohol in my life. So then I was able to fifth step, and I fifth step with quite a few different people. And that way I learned to become open. And, um, and what I love about the big book, six, the six steps only six lines, and the seven steps only seven lines. And that used to puzzle me because I used to think, wow, all this other stuff, you know, up from the doctor's opinion to look at my physical craving up to page 23 is all about my physical craving. And all this work I'm looking at in step one 
right through, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, and it's only six and seven lines. But you know what? All I had to see was my defects and shortcomings, and that then takes me to a place of being willing. It's such a cool step, six, six, the sixth step. It's so cool. All I have to do is to become willing. And I tell you, when I see all that crap on paper, all the attitudes I have, I, I become willing, you know, to get on my knees and offer myself to my Creator. And the great prayer, you know, have me, good and the bad. The good and the bad. So I'm still not perfect. I did a little inventory last night. I just want to share with you, you know, what happens with me. And I was listening to someone else's inventory. And this is the most amazing gift that God's given me. When I'm listening to other people, it brings stuff up in me that's locked away in there. And I think, wow. That's why I've got the shits with that, oh, excuse me, with that person. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know why I'm avoiding them. I really can't understand why. Then I heard this girl's inventory and, you know, it just jogged my memory. So, the, um, the, the inventory's on Joe. That's my man's name. I came here the, early this morning. I went into the loo, my friend and I went and had coffee first, went to the loo and my mobile phone rings. I'm not real good with electricals and the bloody thing's ringing away in the loo. And all he wanted to know was, a thousand miles away from home, can I give the chooks grapes? <laughs> and I said, I'm really busy at the moment. But then, you know, and to be able to laugh about that, you know, not to be annoyed or cranky about that. That's the big change. That's how accessing this power has changed me. So, Joe, he had a go at me. My, I look at the seven areas of self, of my ego. I'm the best at being self-contained. So he's had a go at me. You can imagine me being self-contained. So the fears that drive that, I'm the worst. No control. My pride, others should see I'm all together. That's how I want you to see me. But it makes me feel looking bad. My ambition, I want others to see me as I imagine myself to be. I'm the bloody queen here. Why have a go at me? It makes me feel looking bad. So you can see where my attitudes are starting to come from. And my security, I need to be treated with respect to be okay. In fact, I really need to be worshipped, loved and retreated. This is my ego and he's really making me look bad now because he's done this in front of other people. So the personal relationships, real friends would always treat me with respect. Now, if he had been a real friend, he would treat me with respect, you would think, and that made me feel disrespected again. And my sex relationships, a real woman stands up for herself. Well, I did. I retaliated. <laughs> and I didn't like the confrontation. So then I look at the realisation, and I'm looking around that realisation, realization why, why have I retaliated like that? And then I realise I have, I, I have a go at others, judging them, and treating them with disrespect. So that's what I'm attracting back in my life. 
So, you know, with that, that's my realisation, I then get into the fourth column, my self-seeking actions. I gossiped about it, putting him down. I went round and told him what a mongrel he was and how sick he is because he's in AA. You can get away with that one, they're sick. And then my selfishness, which is my thinking, I won't read out exactly what I wrote, but it is, he is a piece of crap. And the delusion I live in is I am in the delusion he is judging me and then I retaliate. So the book tells me I, I, you know, a hundred, I live in a hundred forms of fear that drive the delusions. So then I list all my fears and I can see there's no control. I'm the worst. I'm looking bad. I'm disrespected. I hate confrontation and I'm a loser. And then if I read it back to front, I can see those fears have driven me into a delusion which takes me into my thinking he's an arsehole and worse. And then that makes me react, my self-seeking, the actions I do. I retaliate, I gossip. It's so simple. So what I do then, you know, I share that with another person. I, I do a fifth step with that or a tenth step. That's how I do my tenth step. And then I... Um, I become willing. I don't want to live like that. This is my mate. This is my friend. This keeps me living in separated. This is my disease keeping me isolated from that person. It's, a, it's such a, you know, a beautiful, simple program and, um, and we can stuff it all up. And, you know, it's just when I really become willing, when I really see those behaviours in me and my attitudes that I can't change, if I have a few resentments, I start to look at them and I, I can start feeling I, I, I'm really restless. You know, I start to feel uneasy and discontent. I can see alcohol. I start to feel it. I start to smell it. And I know that's my experience because I'm a real alcoholic. It'll take me back to drinking eventually. So, you know, this fellowship's given me the opportunity of getting free. But what this fellowship is really all about for me is having a loving relationship with God. Because I've accessed those, the power of God from being hopeless, a real hopeless alcoholic in step one, and I'm very clear what I am, I used a lot of pot. In fact, I was such a good mother, I bought land up at the central coast in New South Wales and I had a little plantation of pot growing for my kids because I was a good mother. See the delusions I lived in? And they used to reward me because my I was a fan of Cheech and Chong. And I used to sit there watching their videos that my kids bought me. And how I got clear that I wasn't an addict was one day when I was stoned, but I was really drunk. I was thinking about getting stoned. I don't know if you know Cheech and Chong. They made these joints this long. And that excited me. So I, I've got the mole bowl and I'm mulling it all up, you know. And, and then the thought came, the papers are that big. I want to make a joint that big. And the great idea came toilet paper. 
And I rolled this joint. It looked like a long sausage. It was a bit wobbly, but it wasn't too bad. So I'm drunk, sitting on this beautiful rug we'd bought back from China, and I light it. It ignited, and I'm drunk, and I'm legless. Absolutely legless, couldn't stand up. But I had this great thought that I'd got from TV. You roll things up in a mat, that puts the fire out. So I dragged the mat outside on my hands and knees, hosed it. This is this exquisite rug that I'd bought from China. And I passed out. And then the husband came home from work and I came to with all this abuse, saw what I'd done and I thought... That pot gets me into so much shit, I'm never going to do it again. I never did. I made a decision never to smoke pot again, and I never did. I used to make a decision every day not to drink. I used to beg God, don't let me drink today, and I couldn't stop. I couldn't even stop drinking when I was in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. I had an experience lying on my kitchen floor, passed out, not going to say to God anymore, helped me stop drinking because I knew that never worked but something happened within me the drinking stopped and that's the most amazing experience I've had and um, watching the time and you know this this is just the most amazing way of life I, I, I feel so truly blessed I've been given this gift of working with others I remember when I went back to my shrink when I was six months sober and thanking her, you know, for helping me. And she had never told me I was an alcoholic, but the big book tells me in working with others when I'm convinced you are an alcoholic, and when you work with me, we don't go into step one until I am convinced you you are an alcoholic, and I can help you get clear with my own experiences. That's the beautiful gift God's given us. And um, so I, I went back and I said, Sybil, you know, I, I really need to thank you for helping me in Alcoholics Anonymous. And she looked around the wall and she said, see these certificates that took me six years at uni? This one took me two years. This was another year. She was the head of drug and alcohol in the eastern suburbs in Prince of Wales Hospital. And she said, I can't help people like you. I just can't help people like you. It's the people in Alcoholics Anonymous that will carry a message to you. Isn't that a beautiful blessing? Why wouldn't we want to be part of this? The Fellowship of the Spirit. We walk hand in hand with the Fellowship of the Spirit when I can say to God, my Creator, I'm now willing that you have all of me, good and bad. Thanks for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.